everybody, and welcome to a very special New Year's episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and two very special guests who are very dear to our hearts. Absolutely, folks. We're going to call tonight a consequential conversation, a consequential conversation. And every conversation should be consequential, right? The word communication is, should be instructive with the words that come out of our mouths. Are they truly resulting in communicate with union? Are they resulting in greater union? And not artificial union, but authentic union that's only found by connection of souls, our true nature in Christ. We proclaim that right out of the gates. Why? Because if we look at the world, we're facing disunion. And, you know, superficial, there's no superficial answer to this. There's no facile peace that we just maintained things on the surface because, as it says in Scripture, things hidden in darkness will come to light and are coming to light personally, in our marriages, in our families, and in the world. So So consequential conversations have the purpose of the Father's heart for those for whom we're with in the right place, the right time to ask the right questions. So we've been dealing with a lot of tumult in the world around us, no surprise. We want to go there tonight with uh, John and Jessica because they bring a very unique perspective. When I say unique, I mean one, they will elucidate, uh, I think, make clear things that we're all dealing with in light of God's love, in light of his purpose and his plan. So a bit of a background. I've been listening in the new year. I've been committed to really, Lord, attune my mind and my heart to the heart of the world, to people in the world. I want to be more attuned to maybe those people that I don't really talk with or connect with much. So to to remedy that, um, I found myself listening to podcasts by a guy named Joe Rogan. Now, let me tell you in advance, he's a guy who's quite colorful with his language. He interviews people from a wide range of backgrounds. They're typically two-hour-long conversations, and he typically unearths things hidden in darkness and the ordinariness. And I will say, for me, it makes me aware of God's sovereignty all the more, whether directly or by privation, things that they're struggling with. It magnifies the truth. And I want to be attuned to that. In the latest episode I've been listening to, he's been interviewing a guy named Tristan Harris. If you don't or haven't seen the movie, The Social Dilemma, I encourage you all to see it. Essentially, it's the story of executives from social media empires right? Big tech industries and how it has dramatically shaped the way we think and the landscape around us. And I'll just, the most consequential points, two points, one is it's become addictive, right? And they never expected it to be so addictive. And then they became complicit in making it addictive by hiring people who know how to keep us addicted. But secondly, to keep it addictive in what they call an intention economy, they have made us aware of the degree to which We are surrounded, they surround us in these social media spaces by people who reinforce our own views, keep us locked in our own, shall we say, echo chambers. And that polarizes us. It causes us to create narratives of other people that vilify them and demonize them. So we do it to others, they do it to us. We've seen that uh, incarnate in the last political cycle that's still playing out, right? So consequential conversations were about communication to become one, to go there and ask questions that give us perspective 
perspective of other people that allow us to what? Love and understand with the Father's heart with the purpose of bringing them to him. So with all of that as a backdrop, uh, we welcome you, John and Jessica. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing pretty well. Thank you. Did I just intimidate the heck out of you with that setting? Are we on the same page still, or do you want to talk about uh, the NFL season? Uh, well, I'm not much of an NFL guy, so uh, it would be very awkward. <laughs> we'll, we'll stay with the topic in here. Right. <laughs> so awesome. So John and Jessica are a delightful couple yes. that we have known for a number of years. John has been on a radio program before, Fantastic. and Jessica, um, key leaders with our One Heart, One City Prayer Place initiative, right? Breaking out into public places and just bringing the love. And uh, John has earned the great title of pastor at the pump, pastor of the pump. If you go to uh, Sam's Club, you will see him there towering above the rest. So uh, coming in at six foot, 10 inches or something like that, we affectionately refer to him as little John. But we know the wisdom, as with any godly man, is the godly wise woman behind him, Jessica. So I want to go right there, John, because you and I talked about this a few days ago. I called you out of the blue and I said, John, you know, these things are playing out and people come to you from black, white, liberal, conservative, and they lay it on you. And so you have a very unique perspective to help us understand what others may be thinking. So most who are listening to this program are likely uh, solid Christians. They're seeking the heart of the Father. Some may battle with sort of uh, maybe allegiance to political things. Maybe we need to be challenged there, that our God is, is not a political party or any political leader. It's God above. But they would trend towards, because of those godly values, probably on the conservative side of things. So in particular, I, I would ask you to just maybe start out with your experience at the pump and you know some stories or a little bit of a, a coloration there and tell us, give us some insight. What, what are in particular people uh, on the other side of the aisle and maybe even particular black people thinking these days that will help us have some understanding? In terms of what's going on uh, in, the, in the political sphere, in the social sphere, Oh, and it's a very, it's a very complex issue in regards to some of my black brothers and sisters that I've been interacting with, some of whom uh, profess to be believers in Christ. Uh, I'm, I'm not condemning or criticizing uh, their feelings, attitudes of fear, attitudes of hostility, uh, kind of revenge. Uh, if, if there's, if there seems to be a trend here, none of these are fruits of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, but I'm speaking objectively here, mm -hmm. um, with as in terms of the interaction when it comes to the interactions that I've had. Um, not much in the way of trust God, see what God's going to do. God is good all the time. God reigns above all things. Some of the things that I've seen and heard come out of some of their mouths. Uh, even even some of my white brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it troubles, something troubles my spirit and causes me to wonder if they've truly and genuinely had an encounter with the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and experienced the life changing. Let me pause you, John, if you don't mind for a second. So you're working there at the pump and people pull in and I, I suspect since you've been there, how, how long have you worked there, John? Well, I've worked for the company for 22 years in total. Wow. And, but I've been at the gas station for about 
15 or so. Wow. So at this point, you're literally building a kind of relationship. Like they know your name. I've been there where like, it's been, hey, John, hey, John, you know, three stalls down, if you will, which is kind of neat. And uh, so they know your name, you know their names. And you're you're also a little bit of that that guy in the bus that they feel maybe they or at the bar, they can let it all hang out and share things with because they're going to drive off into their own world and they can unload on you. And so they're sharing with you these experiences candidly. And some may, they know you're Christian, but they may not even know necessarily necessarily who you voted for, those sorts of things, because you have to be obviously respectful of your job and you don't want to alienate people, you know. Um, So with that portrait sort of thing, just for our listeners' sake, um, you have blacks and white people coming to you bearing kind of burdens and discontent. is it you know how much of it is uh you know their own wounds and their you know their own personal experience how much of it do you think is narrative sort of the, you know we're white supremacist type of narrative that's stirring things up so how much of it is actual background i'm rephrasing this a little bit how much of it is, do you think is actual hurt that we need to be familiar with you shared with me that you suffered from some discrimination also in your life so how much of it is that that we really need to understand and how much of it is maybe stirring the pot in sort of a narrative framing of "Quote unquote," the other side is white supremacists. Well, it's de- it's definite, definitely narrative. Uh, depending on who and where you get your information from, um, or how much TV or internet or YouTube you ingest, uh, it's definitely narratives. I mean, we we open up newspapers, we turn on Google, uh, we turn on YouTube, and we see a lot of you know to we we see a lot of narrative going on, and a lot of this is highly affecting the way people think. Um, one of, I I share this often with people. One of the best quotes that I ever heard was the quote, and I don't know who the originator of the quote was, but the quote was people behave in accordance with how they view themselves, whether that view is accurate or not. So Mm. I think a lot of people are running around with an, with an inaccurate view of themselves and what they're doing based upon all these narratives and what they're doing is they're ingesting all these narratives and what it's, what it's doing is it's shaping uh, it, it's almost a, an inward projection of how they feel about themselves mm-hmm. that they're projecting onto other people. Uh, the other thing, too, another disturbing thing that I'm seeing is it seems, and this is with some Christians that I've uh, talked to, uh, it, it seems that there's this tendency to allow political uh, allegiance and political views to shape their view of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm as opposed to the gospel shape well, what we do, where we allow the gospel to shape our political views. Well so. put, yeah. So, John, let's just go to the elephant in the room. Um, Heavenly is the word became flesh, and those values do play out in a human, material, political landscape. And we see with respective parties, certain values espoused, both uh, sides fallen, imperfect, all of us destined for the glory of God and to know God. But there are some fundamental issues in the hierarchy of things. Most of our listeners are really going to have a high priority, for instance, for unborn children and protection of human life. And uh, there's there's um, going to be perhaps on the other side, maybe the uh, appraisal that there's no interest, if you will, in supporting mothers is not true, but caring for those outside the womb, those impoverished conditions, maybe not caring for the minorities and those sorts of things. Now, um, facts should be at a premium in discussing these sorts of issues, but how do you navigate when you say, you know, our values, our politics should be informed by God when people who profess Christ come to very different conclusions? I mean, how do you deal with that? 
You know, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough road to navigate with people because I've 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 seen it where if their hearts are so cold, if they're they're not going to be open to the truth, they're not going to be open to the concept of grace. Um, you know, if you look at our culture and everything that's going on, to to speak objectively, and I'm just going to tell it like it is. Please, uh, you know what we're dealing with currently is a culture that has turned its back on God. Mm -hmm. I mean, collectively. Uh, this isn't a Republican versus Democrat thing. Mm -hmm. This is a darkness versus light thing. And this is a children of God versus the children of Satan. So, I mean, right. that's what we're right. dealing with. I mean, we, we have all the empirical evidence to, to support that we are dealing with a seared conscience. I mean, right is, is is being labeled as wrong. You know, what's wrong is being considered right. Uh, there's a lot of postmodern relativism uh, that that's seeking to uh, eliminate and attack absolute truth. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, we know that Jesus is absolute truth, but we've sterilized him out of every facet of society. Mm -hmm. And in its place has creeped all this chaos, uh, everything from academia to the media to the mainstream media. Uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of these false narratives and what they're doing is the, the whole purpose is to divide people and separate people into groups and into categories and then pit, pit uh, us against one another. And so it, it, there's a lot of, a lot of satanic stuff going on in our culture that, and, and unfortunately, a lot of things, a lot of terms are being redefined. Things like racism is being redefined. Mm -hmm. Things like, you know, uh, equality is being redefined and Marriage. all this stuff. Mar marriage is being redefined. So a lot of things, there, there's a lot of semantic overload. And so what ends up happening is a lot of people end up getting confused and Christians get confused and we don't know how to respond to it. And the other thing too going on is there are a lot of churches that are not preaching the word of God. Mm. A lot of pastors are not, and this isn't an indictment on any church in particular, but there are pastors that instead of hammering out the truth, they've decided to you know, cherry pick and water down the gospel and make it more palatable to the ears of carnal man. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is we're, we're having, you know, Christians aren't being fed, so they're not being equipped. So they don't know how to read the word. And so what ends up happening is they end up spewing all these narratives because they're afraid of offending mm. uh, people and being labeled, uh, you know, being criticized and ostracized by the world because they, they don't want to be judged. But at the same time, what they don't realize is that if they're not, you know, reading and studying and meditating on the word of God, what ends up happening is they're going to be judged by the creator of the universe. Amen. So John, you're, you're a black man and you've expressed to me your background. We've heard your beautiful transformational story. We've heard your, your wonderful, loving declaration of God's uh, grace in your life of, of finding your identity your unsurpassed identity in the Father God through Jesus Christ and invite us all to really recognize that is the unsurpassed identity which unites us all and is healing and transformative. And in our conversation, you, you did share with me a few days ago, you have experienced the wounds of persecution and, and discrimination, but you also immediately followed that up with, but I, I know the power of forgiveness. 
I know the I know the transforming power of forgiveness, and you even tied it to maybe some of the folks that you're encountering. You connect with those wounds, and maybe it's an invitation. Speak to all of us. How can unforgiveness be predatorial? How does the enemy work through unforgiveness, and how do you see that as a key thing in stirring the pot? Well, unforgiveness to me is a very it's a poisonous thing. Um, obviously, it just it, it just poisons you because you're not really hurting anybody else. I think what Satan wants us to do is he wants us to hate one another. Hmm. You know, he wants to, he doesn't want community. He doesn't want fellowship. He wants he wants to divide us, obviously, because that's what he does. And so he wants us to turn inwardly on ourselves. He wants us to terminate in on ourselves and hmm. terminate on other people, and ultimately say, "I hate you." Hmm. When God wants us to say, "Look, I love you." I may not know you. I may not. We may be. You know, we may not come from the same upbringings we may not have been born with the same opportunities but we may not share the same skin color the same same ethnicity but i love you and the reason why it's possible for for us to love one another is because of the spilled shed blood of jesus christ Mm -hmm. which of course as the word of god says puts an end to all hostility gets Mm -hmm. us to all embrace makes us all one family united under him and so but it's not without empathy and compassion. You know, I, I've dealt with racism. I've dealt with discrim- discrimination. I've encountered it before. You know, I know how it feels. And it, and it is a very hurtful thing that I believe that God hates. Therefore, we as believers in Christ, we have to hate it. I've encountered it. It hurts. It's terrible. But I can't mention that without mentioning the power of forgiveness and the power of the grace and mercy of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, which... Mm-hmm which really provides the healing. So if I'm coming to you, uh, a confessor, and I'm confessing to you, John, that I want to be free from racism and discrimination. And I'll tell you, I really search my conscience and I search my attitudes. And, you know, the world kind of puts this cloud over us. It tells us we have a cloud or should have a cloud. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like systemic racism, I'm not naive. I know that there are systems empirically that are that are disgraceful, that are blemishes on the body of Christ, that are blemishes on humanity, that are disgusting. But there's this kind of cloud that I think li- lingers over a number of us that makes us kind of turn inwardly and, and hydroplane, quite frankly. Like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know where to connect if I was to you know, be sensitive to what's being thought of me. Does that, you know, can you, could you consult me or, or, uh, you know, advise me or those of us who may be thinking that in some fashion that we might have an understanding of those, you know, if we are pulling up to a pump and, and maybe experience some dissonance, which by the way, I don't really experience a lot of that. I always see warmth always seems to break through regardless of political stripes. Maybe it's my personality. I always end up praying with people or them over me, me over them. Just it's the way I am. And I find that it just that love can break through. But uh, help me understand that if, if I'm making sense, how do I understand some responsibility that I may have, but also not to go into that area where I, I don't know what I can do or what I've done? In all honesty, I wish there was an easy answer as to how to to solve this problem, but I can give you an easy answer, and the easy answer is Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's it's that simple. Uh, We have a tendency to make it complicated. We have a tendency to think that, oh, there's more that we have to do. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is life-changing, addiction-breaking, you know, repentant power in the name of Jesus. And, you know, 
sometimes I can't get through to some people and because I only have, you know, two to five minutes to, you know, talk to them, especially on a busy day where mm-hmm. cars are piling in. But, you know, people feel the need to talk to me. And I believe that, you know, some of these are divine opportunities that God sets up. Uh, and he gives me the words to say. And a lot of times it's just listening to them and, and, and sometimes asking questions. Okay, why do you feel as if you are not valued? Mm-hmm. Why do you feel as if you're not important? And so they tell me why they feel the way they do it. And then I offer them a different sort of counter perspective. I go, okay, well, consider this, you know, and then I, I have to sometimes just tell them the, the gospel flat out, the fact that we live in a fallen and broken world where these things can do and will occur. And that's just the reality. So a lot of, you know, a lot of people and some of these individuals who talk to me are Christians, so we can have these discussions, but they believe in God, but they don't believe in Satan. And that's a very dangerous thing that right. that, that that a trend that I've been noticing. I, I talked to one today that a lady who claimed to know G, claimed to know the Lord and pray the Lord, but didn't believe in Satan. So it's no wonder that she's depressed. It's no wonder that she's she doesn't know why she's encountering all these negative feelings because they're evil spirits. So uh, sometimes it, I have to go all the way back to the beginning of the gospel and explain to them how our broken world came to be mm-hmm. and then tell them about Jesus and his plan of salvation. And, and, and that, you know, we are a result of brokenness. Mm-hmm. Jessica, I want to bring you in first. And then of course, Stephanie feminine genius, Jessica for our listeners is white. And she was brought to John as they share this story, truly the heart of the heart of the father and, and, you know, brought them together. And they so beautifully as a couple uh, witness to so many, they bring them in their homes. They, they're part of groups. They're very active in their church. They've been involved with us uh, and just bring the love of the father. So um, early on in your guys's relationship, um, you would have experienced, I'm sure, some of the ways in which the enemy wanted to spin the clouds, the fleeting clouds of this temporal world. And maybe, you know, you may have felt some of those pressures from your families or from people around you. You navigated into some of that. You know, what insights, Jessica, might you have um, just on the on this, you know, shall I say, the, the landscape of healing in Christ that we're all called to have? What advice or insight from what John's been sharing come to mind that might help us? any hurts of the past, honestly, I had to come to realize just like what John said, where, you know, unforgiveness only hurts us. And I had to learn that I had to find my identity and God and not man. When we got together, I experienced looks from um, black people that uh, were not happy that he and I were together. Um, And that was a form of racism towards me. Mm. Um, And I had to learn that, you know what, that's not, that's not me. It's not against me, really. It's something in their hearts. Um, and it's not, it's something that they need to work on <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because it, it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with me. They don't know me personally. You know, they don't know who I am and, and what my heart is like. And so for them to um, make a snap judgment call based on, my skin color and the fact that I was with a black man, it's not about me. <laughs> it's about their heart. And so I think, I think realizing that when people hurt you, it's more about their hearts and where mm. they're at. Not about necessarily what mm. is not necessarily about you. It's about mm. their hearts and where they're at. And once I started to realize that it doesn't mean that it makes it any easier. It still hurts. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so good. But to then go, okay, but I'm called to pray for them. Mm-hmm. So instead of being angry and having this unforgiveness towards them, I'm going to pray for them. And that was my way of surrendering that hurt and that um, anger towards that person to God in order to be able to forgive them and move on with, with, you know, what God wanted me to do in the future. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jessica. So you hear the wonderful little John come home from work and I'm sure share all of his thoughts and stories of his day and which gives you, you know, a broader perspective, of course, um, relationally, but also in the culture out there. What perspective um, do you have as the listener and what you experience through social media or different conversations or what you see going on? Um, what would you add to what John has said? Hearing his stories and just the things that he hears and goes through on a daily basis, I feel like the big thing is just what our response is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like God has been challenging me <laughs> in what my response is supposed to be to all of this. And I think both of us are on the same page as far as that goes. But um, just that, again, it just all goes back to praying for them because mm-hmm. we can't change them. Mm-hmm. We are not um, responsible to change them. We're called to pray for them and to love them. That's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for John and I, I'll speak mainly for myself, but we've had a lot of conversations about this, but we are just wanting to love people well. Mm. And sometimes that just means praying for them. And sometimes that means just like John said, being a listening ear because that's what they need because they don't have that every, everywhere they go. Maybe they don't have that at all. Um, And so for John, when he's at work or me, if I'm out and about with somebody, I've had encounters at the grocery store (laughs) where people have just wanted to talk Mm -hmm. um, because they don't have that. And so they just needed a listening ear. And I think that is at least right now what God is calling myself and I think John as well to do is just to listen to people and to let them, you know, hear truth that is biblical truth. Um, and then just to remember them in prayer that God would open their hearts and open their minds to what God really wants to do in their lives. That's so good. Awesome. Thank you. I want to throw something out there for all of your feedback and just to frame it a little bit. All of us were made for Christ. Our hearts will not rest until they rest in Christ. Colossians 1. Um, and the enemy knowing our discontent will weaponize that and try to turn us against each other or other things to stir up. Why? Because the enemy is insanely jealous that the God of the universe created us in his image, man and woman, Genesis 1.27. So a target's going to be gender. It's going to be marriage. More, he took on our nature. The second person of the Trinity took on our nature and experienced this human plane, this reality, all that we did. And thirdly, he gave up his life and he died for us. The enemy really has no power except to distract us from choosing him who made us for himself. Like a, like a fly, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, literally that book uh, corresponds to that title of Satan, Lord of the Flies. You ever be in an intimate relationship or conversation with somebody and the flies buzzing around you, it distracts us. Isn't that is that not a metaphor of what we see happening around us? You know, God designed us for this intimacy, but so many of these little distractions buzz about. So he, here, uh, in this political landscape, and might even say just the cultural landscape, do we not see the way in which 
principles have been confused with personalities, that fundamental principles, because they're espoused by personalities, and by the way, certainly we've seen the, the flaws, epic flaws of our current president, and, and there are certainly many with Biden, but people will dispense with the principles that that person represents because why? Because maybe in the case of Trump, I just want to understand this. In the case of Trump, I can imagine how women who have been disparaged by men in any way, a father, a boyfriend, just men in general, you know, he's iconic of that guy that disrespected them. And regardless of his principles, they just cannot bring themselves to support him, regardless of those principles. And what does that do? Well, it results, uh, you know, kind of this kind of interaction in a political realm where we're not about the greatest good because of the flaws of humanity. I, I guess I'm I understand women in this regard having a very difficult time even attending to the right principles because of the personality of Donald Trump. Do you agree with that? I don't. <laughs> okay, good. Bring it. I'm going to bring it because I think, and I don't know how political we should be getting right now. Sorry, Annunciation Radio. Um, but yes, he is not perfect and his personality should not be confused with his principles. But I think that has become such a crutch and such a um, scapegoat, if you will, for the evil one, for all the good that he has done. I believe that the Lord has done so much in his heart and in, in drawing him. I see him very much as a Saul on his way to becoming a Paul, right? And and the all of the good that he has done, you can go through all the policies that are so in line with the gospel, so in line with the dignity of human life. So in and, and what he has had to deal with, and I'm not diminishing his stuff in the past in particular, and how, um, you know, maybe that does rile up a wound in a woman in particular who has been mistreated. So I don't want to discount that. But I don't, this is about, as John said, good versus evil. And set aside personalities, set aside the person, and it comes down to, if you want to go there again, the platforms. And it is good versus evil. You look at what the new administration has already promised to do in the first hundred days, and it is the most anti-gospel, anti-life, anti-get me going. <laughs> and we, it is the battle going on right now. And yes, Jessica and John, we need to pray and we need to be those listening ears and we need to support our pastors who don't have the courage, John, as you were saying, to really enflesh what's going on with gospel responses. And gospel responses don't just mean turn the other cheek. It means to get in there and fight for the good, to be the light, to be that voice, to be that listening ear also. It's a whole combination. I think too often it gets um, colored in as you're either obnoxious in somebody's face or completely quiet and passive. And the Lord calls us in different ways at different moments, but it's definitely a combination of both of those things. I've hit the nerve I wanted to hit. So John and Jessica, complete <laughs> candor, <Sorry>. disagree, <laughs> thoughts on this subject. I, I think for me, just a little thing. If I was if I was always judged by my past and by the things that I did wrong, mm. I, right. I, you know, I don't think I would go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I guess for, for me, it's more about People have their faults. So political people have their faults because they're human. Yes. Um, and 
if I'm only looking at that, <laughs> then I'm going to not be okay with anybody, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my thing, at least right now, my thing is that, yes, I, I have my, my beliefs, my morals, all those things. And I don't agree with a lot of stuff that is being talked about, but I still, again, am called to pray for them. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that I might necessarily love <laughs> what they stand for, but God has called me to pray for my leaders. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm resting in it. Um, did I love everything that, you know, President Trump did? No. Did I love his personality all the time? No. But a lot of people probably don't like my personality all the time. So honestly, if we I doubtful. Do, if, we do. <laughs> well, <laughs> just in general, as far as like, if no, that's it's so what we're true. basing everything, if that's what we're basing, you know, how we feel about a person, I, I have a hard time with that. That's just my opinion, mm-hmm. honestly. John, thoughts? Thank you, Jessica. You know, I was I agree with my wife 100%. Uh, I was reading earlier this week, I was reading Romans chapter 12, and Paul is talking about how, you know, we're supposed to, you know, live in harmony with one another, you know, if possible, by all means, you know, at the end of the day, as long as we've done everything that we can to be ambassadors of Christ and be ambassadors of peace, because the truth of it is the world is currently waiting for peace. The world mm-hmm. is currently waiting for hope. The world is fighting for peace. The world is fighting for hope. We don't have to do that. We know who peace is. We know who hope is. It's, it's living peace. It's living hope. We can walk in it. So despite what's going on, despite Kingdoms are going to rise to power. Kingdoms are going to fall. We've seen this throughout human history, throughout the Bible. Whether it was the Babylonians, whether it was the Medes, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, all these empires rose mm-hmm. and fell. But at the same time, simultaneously, there was another kingdom that was rising up, and that was the kingdom of the Holy Spirit. And that kingdom can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. And God is always going to be raising up young men, young women. You know, as I, as I preached not too long ago, pulling and plucking people out of the fringes of sin, out of the, 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 the depths of depravity, out of addiction, you know, redeeming them, restoring them, repurposing them, and redirecting them. So God is going to do his thing, regardless of whether, quote, unquote, our guy gets in office or gets reelected. The fact of the matter is our hope does not come from world leaders. Our hope does not come from presidents, our peace, our provision. They don't come from these people. They're flawed. They're broken. They're going to fail us every single time. And if we put all our hope and faith in, in presidents and world leaders, it's no wonder we bash them and criticize them when they fail us. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is uh, Donald Trump is just as human as I am. You know, I because I know what what it feels and what it means to be forgiven, because I, I, I know what it means to have encountered grace in, mm-hmm. in my life. Who am I to criticize someone else? Mm-hmm. Who am I to bash someone else? Um, and the truth is, I really don't know the man, to be honest, because there's 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 two sides of Donald Trump. There's what one group of pundits say about him, and there's what another group of pundits say about him. But, you know, what we're forced to do is we're forced to pay attention to what people do, not what they say. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, by, and again, looking at things objectively, you know, you have to look at what, they've done is in terms of how it matches up with what the word of God said. Mm-hmm. If I look at one party without, without naming that particular party based off of everything that I've, I've seen, everything that I've studied, everything that I've, I've observed, I just don't know how one who 
professes to be a born again follower of Jesus Christ can reconcile uh, endorsing a particular party or particular candidate whose views are are clearly and empirically, you know, against the gospel of of the gospel. Right, right. And I like, John, uh, jumping way back to the beginning of the show when you were talking about how the evil one works in dividing and, you know, even among good Christian people, um, we see that all the time. And, um, you know, even when it comes to the social distancing or mask wearing or, you know, God forbid if you have the mask under your nose and just people in church who were once super um, talkative and sharing their hearts and, you know, they see a certain group without a mask on perhaps, you know, interacting with a young family who's in need of some interaction and you would think that the most evil thing, most horrible sin is being committed. And so even in those small ways, they're not very small. And so I I don't know, I just feel on my heart right now to our listeners, if you agree with somebody or disagree with somebody in even your churches about how they're handling COVID, for example, be Christian about it. Don't make snarky comments as you walk by or, you know, ignore them because you don't agree with what they are choosing freely to do. Um, so that's, I just see how the devil is getting in that mm-hmm. so deeply and the angst and anger that it's causing. And as you said, John, certainly not fruits of the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest errors, I think, that was put on center stage. And by error, I mean an occasion for love, an occasion for growth in the body of Christ. The error has been an association of virtue with an absence of conflict. That's an error. Jesus says, all who come after me must deny their very self, take up their cross and follow. We hear uh, in the Gospels, he who denies you, uh, denies me here on earth, I will deny before my Father in heaven. We hear that a husband will be, uh, you know, divided against his wife, brother against sister. Now, those do not mean that Christ's desire or his design is that there's that there will be division. He came to bring not peace but a sword. We have another example there. What he's saying is that by virtue of choosing him and declaring our hearts, our fidelity, our allegiance, our totality, and to represent that we are going to face conflict. And as Stephanie said, I think is a key piece. It doesn't mean self-righteous indignation because those of us who know we've been redeemed, that Christ's grace is being poured out, ought to have a mercy and a love and a thoughtfulness and a sensitivity and a compassion toward anybody facing things. And they'll know when they know, right? Like people know when we truly love them. There ought to be a way in which we do that. So I want to bring to kind of the, the front stage, how do we conflict well? How do we conflict with the heart of the Father knowing that this truly is this landscape here on earth where, where, where forces of good and evil are battling out, Ephesians 6, 12. We are battling. So particularly in this political realm, John, you're at the pump, you're listening, you're bringing the gospel, and we know it. We know if you encounter Christ, we hope that that heart is going to lead them to uh, pursue godly principles in the political space, but it's not resulting in that, and it's causing a lot of tumult. So if and where, like you said, pastors speak the truth, you got to speak the truth. Um, how do you conflict well? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh <laughs> I'm asking you the hard questions, bro. I'm bringing it because <laughs> I know you can handle it. I appreciate that. Um, fighting well, uh, really. When you when I think of just the 
the armor of God that Paul tells us to put on in Ephesians, you know, and the, our most offensive weapon, which, and it's, and it's offensive because let's face it, mm. the word of God is offensive. Amen. It's offensive and it is offensive. It is going to hurt you. When we receive Christ, we can go from the scum of the earth to the salt of the earth. But in order to do that, it, it, it takes, sometimes it takes pain and pain can be the greatest teacher. And the word of God is very, is very offensive. And so there has to be a level of boldness when it comes to our churches. And the reality of it is, you know, there are spiritually dead churches in our, in our communities. There are spiritually dead churches in, in our country. We have a great show. We, we have great, you know, lights and music and all this other kind of stuff, great coffee bar. But the messages are dead. The messages are lacking. You know, it's all self-help. It's not, it's not the true meat of the word. Mm. And sometimes we, we have to be prepared. People are not going to like what the word of God has to say. I struggle with, you know, I'm, I have it right here. Romans chapter 12, you know, verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink or by doing this, you'll heat burning coals on his head. I had an encounter today with an irate customer an hour before the end of my shift who really to, to be honest, wanted to do everything to make my life and all the other customers, you know, shopping experience a living hell. Mm. But yet I'm forced by the word of God. I'm, I'm told to forgive that person. Mm-hmm. I'm told to let it go and let God handle it. Um, it, you know, we, we had our, our country. It seems like our backwards culture wants us to hate one another, mm-hmm. right. but you know, the word of God says that we have to love one another. We have to live in harmony with one another. And the only thing, the only way possible is for us to truly have an experience with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we can't do it. And so in my mind, it takes boldness on, on behalf of these pastors and these, and these you know, preachers to really hammer out what it means to be purchased by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Hammering out what it really mm-hmm. means to have the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Hammering out what it really means to... Uh, live lives in submission to Christ and, 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 and what that and what that entails. So folks, you're tuned into Ignite Radio Live, and we are so delighted to be having a difficult conversation. And what we're wanting to do is with the heart of the Father, see the world, see our own souls, start there, the way God sees them, recognize the ways in which our thoughts and attitudes are not oriented toward His. That's what a good community does, by the way, right? There's a basis of love and acceptance and an invitation to journey. There's not the assumption that I have this attitude and it must be right. No, Lord, I want to see my attitude In light of your word, I want to see my attitude because you destined me for an inner peace. I wasn't fashioned for discord. I'm a temple of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, awaken us right now to the ways in which, you know, we're we're entertaining that which is not of you. That's a good friendship, what good brothers and sisters do. So we're talking about that with John and Jessica. And from that personal encounter, that personal constant, shall we say, repentance pruning of the garden, hopefully, you know, we're, we're instruments of making it happen in those closest to us, our spouse, not in a condemning, judging way. We might say that. It's not a, I'm going to point out all your things, but uh, hey, I'm journeying with you because I'm flawed and I'm seeking God's grace. And then from that family and of course, to the world, I want to propose that there are really two fundamental planks of the satanic doctrine that many of us, if we're not paying attention, may be uh, paying homage to even while we profess Christ. Plank number one, that truth is something we presume to create instead of someone in whom we are created 
that we can create our own truth, make it be what it wants to be. You spoke of this earlier, John, concepts of equality, justice, marriage, gender. The second plank is that um, our desires are their own moral validation. That simply because I have this affection or desire, sexual in most cases, it's unquestioned. Nobody should question it or quote unquote judge it. And of course, if that's the case, and let's think about this, if that satanic plank is true, and some of us may be thinking, yeah, I can't judge another person. I can't evaluate it. And by judge, I don't mean in the biblical sense of to condemn. I mean, in the sense of to evaluate. If you can't judge it, then everything goes. If you can't judge it, we've got nothing to say about pedophilia, bestiality, adultery. If desire by merely having it is its own moral validation, we've got nothing to say to anybody about anything. So just stating those two, I want your feedback here, John, Jessica, Stephanie, if you agree with this or not. And we know as uh, the great director of the Ten Commandments said, you know, we really can't break the commandments. We can only break ourselves against them. What Do you, do you see this play out? If you look at our culture, it's interesting, and I'm just going to put it out there, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, here's the thing. As a sentiment, I couldn't agree more that mm. Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. As a Christ follower, of course they matter. Now, here's where the world gets upset. The world gets upset when we say that all lives matter. But the truth is, as, as Christ followers, Black lives do matter in the same way that Hispanic lives matter, in the same way that white lives, Anglo-European lives matter. Mm-hmm meaning we all possess the same level of intrinsic value. Now, on the topic of equality, I'm all about equality, being a Christ follower, because I believe that we are all equally created by God with the same level of intrinsic value. We're all equally broken. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us equally. We have an equal equal opportunity to accept his free author of salvation and live equally with him in heaven. So there's the equality side to that. When, when I think of a movement like Black Lives Matter, if by Black Lives Matter someone means black power through white guilt and white shaming, mm. then there's a disconnect mm-hmm. that I can't hang with. Right. If they mean, you know, being chaotic and, disrupt, and disruptive and violent, then I can't hang with that. Um, but if you look at the movement itself, Part of, they, they, had, they came out and admitted recently that they're trained Marxists. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to having things, when it comes to the house that you own, the money, the car that you drive, that it shouldn't belong to you, it should belong to the state. So they see something that they want and they should take it. The whole purpose of Christianity or, or being a Christian is to become more and more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not to find validation in having things, whether it's status whether it's even relationships or, or even sexual relationships, although we do, as human beings, we do pray that we, we get to experience that. But that's not the reason why we're here. Mm-hmm. The reason we're here is to become more and more like Jesus and also to, as Jesus said, go and make disciples and spread and, and, and spread the word of God with the nations and other people. John, as best as you understand, I'm so grateful for your description there, and it's a challenge to all of us, uh, whatever our quote-unquote movements may be. Um, I want to ask you the question, because you're a smart guy. You and Jessica bring a lot of wisdom. Um, What does success look like from the vantage of somebody deeply involved with the Black Lives Matter movement? And how will it be brought to its finish line? Do they even have a thing in mind? Like, What do they want from the world? 
Well, ultimately, I mean, if you look at what the movement is doing, it's, I mean, you, you have, we, that would be a whole nother conversation okay. all, all on its own. But if you, if, if you look at the actual movement itself, it's not racial unity. It's not togetherness. It's not reconciliation. It's chaos. Mm-hmm. The sad reality is there are people out there who are not interested in mending fences. They're not interested in reconciliation. They're not interested in healing. What they're interested interested in is keeping this conflict going. Hmm. I, I heard it said one time that the whole purpose of a revolution is to end itself, uh, not, not for it to keep going. Um, but there are people out there who, and this, this is the problem with, with the whole chaotic, you know, Marxist theory, which, which again is another conversation, but the purpose of it is to keep, to keep, finding new ways of class conflict. And if it's not, you know, the haves versus the have nots, it's black versus white, it's gay versus straight, it's male versus female, you know, it's police officers versus the public. And so there's all this ca- this class conflict that, you know, the media and, and certain, you know, uh, influencers out there keep, uh, like, as you said, stirring the pot and keep twisting the knife. If you look at, like you said, Jesus said, you will know them by the fruits. If you look at the, the, the fruits of what's coming out of these particular, you know, it, it's peace. Some may want peace, but from what I can tell, it's continuing and furthering the conflict, which is exactly what Satan wants. So just tossing this in there, too, from talking to different people in our lives um, about that movement in particular, we'll go with when... Um, They wanted to put signs throughout neighborhoods, and there were so many people who were afraid not to. They didn't believe in it necessarily other than, yes, Black Lives Matter as much as equally all lives matter, right? Um, But let's just, you know, keep the peace and almost acting out of fear, which is never a good thing, right? Like we shouldn't do something or not do something solely motivated out of fear, unless it's for the salvation of our soul, <laughs> right? But like, that's just, that's just messed and j- just sad. So there's this practice of mindfulness, which most of us in maturity come about doing anyways. And it's along the lines of being aware, conscious, why do we do what we do? And it can be very helpful in a wide range of addictions in our lives, even these supercomputers that are keeping us addicted in our in our pockets, you know, to, th- to ask the question, okay, I've got this, I want a dopamine hit, I'm addicted, to ask the question, why am I turning to my phone to, to pick this thing up? Has the effect of causing us to realize, is it going to accomplish what it was meant to accomplish or I hoped it would accomplish? And invariably, even just that simple exercise is going to result in hopefully us choosing not to respond to that addiction. So I apply that mindfulness to this movement and any other movement for that matter. You know, if the end in mind is discord, division, disruption, and we've singled out Black Lives Matter, but for any of us, it could be any movement, spoken or unspoken. You know, why are we saying what we're saying? Why are we responding the way we're responding? What are we hoping to accomplish? You know, if only this simple insight, which is a biblical insight of having the heart of the Father for others, could transform marriages, could transform families. To ask my children, which I have done often, is, are we contributing to an atmosphere of encounter? Or Jessica, I'm kind of going back to what you said at the beginning, are we really kind of hurting people who hurt people? Are we arresting the discord in our souls and not allowing it 
any further access, any further light by saying, you know, I'm struggling with something internally. Stop, Greg. It doesn't merit being voiced. It doesn't merit being brought into the atmosphere. Kids have a more difficult time with this. But that simple step of I need to choose to renounce these feelings, these emotions, if the enemy's involved there, I got to renounce those whispers. And Lord, you've you've made me for your indwelling spirit. I want to inhabit your spirit so that I can speak life and bring life to others. So you entitled this episode, Consequential Conversations. And I love the word consequential. And what a great reminder to us that our conversations do have consequences. And I love the C.S. Lewis statement that every person we come into contact with will either bring them closer to Christ or farther from him. There's Mm -hmm. no neutrality in the kingdom of God. So I think that's something to keep in mind as we do have these tougher conversations. Are we, and that doesn't mean they have to be like, you know, (laughs) so soft and unoffensive and whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, again, we need to pray, Jessica and John. I love how just that bold reminder of constant prayer, mm-hmm. both how we're supposed to respond for those that we are interacting with or that the Lord places on our hearts or places on our path throughout the day. And just that place of, is are we meant to be more bold in that moment to draw them closer to Christ? Are we meant to be greater listeners to draw them closer to Christ? And that our our soul is in that mix also. And so it is a constant coming before the Lord and claiming that grace mm-hmm. and being his instrument and being faithful to what his will is for mm-hmm. us in that moment in those conversations, because they do have consequences. And we are at a moment in time when those consequences are eternal. Beautiful. John and Jessica, uh, coming in for a landing here and so blessed that you're with us, but I want to give you the opportunity to give us a final word. Um, Before the final word, uh, I just want to say to our audience that as we look to 2021, uh, through God's eyes, every obstacle is an opportunity. Every obstacle is an opportunity. Our own inner life, God wants to heal. He wants to transform. He wants to revive. Our marriages He wants to open up doors of ways of connection, and he's in it to do it. The name of Jesus, the power of Jesus. I want to declare that over all of you who are listening tonight, overflowing to our families. Our families can become those kind of places, places of encounter. It's there for us to say yes to. We've got to cooperate with that grace. And I also want to say um, my great delight, my final word here is one of delight, that uh, around the time, two weeks before the George Floyd thing broke out, I had this strong vision of brothers and sisters gathering together in public places simply to be God's love in public parks. And um, I invited John and Pastor Bo to join me just to prayerfully discern this. Well, over the summer, 12 different times we gathered at different places to be that presence. And though there weren't great numbers there was great manifestation. There was great encounter. And just like tonight, maybe a little clumsy at times, maybe a little awkward, but uh, we, we took steps in faith, perhaps a lot like Peter, you know, being in the boat and seeing Christ come to him and not quite understanding what it meant to take a step outside the comfortable boat. But I think that's an image for us as we look to 2021, that Christ is summoning us towards him to have the courage to get out of our comfort zones, to take that step. And yes, I do want to put on center stage this opportunity for us as a community to go to places and to be God's love, regardless of race, regardless of profession, regardless of where anybody may stand, to know that the power of God, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives 
in you and me. Think about that. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me, and we are called to be bearers of that life to others. So folks, my final word is, as you're listening to me, check out oneheartonecity.us. We want to resurrect this. It's already been lingering there, but we really want to see this Toledo area united in the love of God going to places together where we're just bringing that love, where we can rediscover our unsurpassed identity as sons and daughters of a loving God in Jesus Christ. Jessica, final word. I think my word at least um, has been posture and just what my posture is. Depending on the situation, it's, it's about, am I supposed to stand and fight? Am I supposed to say something? Am I supposed to pray? Um, but I think only by getting in God's word and spending time with him and really just letting God speak to and through you. Um, will you know what kind of posture you're supposed to have? Mm. Um, so I'm, I think that that at least going into this new year has been at least lately has been laid on my heart as finding out what God wants your posture to be in each situation, Mm -hmm. um, and how he wants to use you in that posture. Yeah. For me, uh, it's just learning to get out of God's way and just realize that we have a huge, we have a powerful, we have an infinite big God who can do exceedingly above anything we could ever hope or ask for. Uh, and when it comes to the issues of our day, he is above all these things and he reigns above all these things. Mm -hmm. The night of the election, uh, my wife can tell you, I was, I couldn't sleep that night. I was just wrecked with this demonic form of anxiety and Mm. I just couldn't sleep. And it wasn't so much the outcome of the election, um, because I believe whoever gets in, that's who God appoints. All all authority is appointed by him and he can work any way he wants to. But I was more anxious for the response of the people who I was going to have to encounter that week and their opinions and mm. you know how was i going to res- how was i going to respond to their response and i remember my wife prayed for me and a lot of people prayed for me and the next day it was just, i was overcome with this this peace and it was god basically telling me i don't want you getting wrapped up in the affairs of this world mm. i want you to trust me i want you to rest in me know that i'm above all these things i reign above all these things my kingdom is going to continue and that through it all, regardless of what the world throws at you, it may not be easy in the, in the days ahead. We know it's not going to be. But as it says in Isaiah, when you walk through the waters, I will be with you. That's beautiful, brother and sister. I am so grateful for both of you. So folks tuned in with us tonight. We're so grateful for Annunciation Radio for allowing us to have this conversation, to see the difficulties, as clumsy and awkward and difficult as they may be. We open the door with that boldly, looking at Christ on the water, summoning us to him in and through whom we can find perfect peace. And uh, with that cue, John, if you don't mind, if you just lead us all in a prayer. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you for loving us. Lord, um, you reign. Mm -hmm. You reign above all things. Lord, you are God. You are Jehovah. You are with us. Lord, you see us. You hear us. You provide for us. You heal us. You take care of us. Lord, you've ransomed us and you've saved us. Mm -hmm. We thank you so much for who you are, for everything you've done, for everything you're doing. And we trust and believe, Lord, that you are going to do big things, Lord, to us, for us, and through us. Lord, you created everyone, Lord, and I believe that there will be a day 
Lord, where every knee will bow before the weight of your glory and every knee will, every, every tongue will confess that you are Lord. There is no other. Yes, Lord, Lord. you reign above all things. Lord, we don't get our hope from presidents. We don't get our hope from um, man-made constructs, Lord, but we get our hope from you. Our hope comes from you. You are living hope. Lord, you rose from the dead to prove that you are who you say you, that, who, that you are who you say you were. And we trust you and we love you. And in the days ahead, Father, go before us, go behind us, Lord. Um, may our feet be wrapped in peace, Lord. May everything we touch be blessed. And Lord, may holy fire Lord, proceed from our mouths, Lord. And may hearts be open and ready to receive it. But Lord, may we understand your grace, Lord, that we were purchased through your grace and mercy. And knowing that, Lord, may we convey that and show that to other people especially people who we struggle with. Mm -hmm. But Father God, we know that in the days ahead, in the days ahead, no matter what comes our way, Lord, that we will be victorious because we have the victory in you. We thank you and we love you in Jesus name. Amen. Man, that was like a holy shower of grace coming down. I am so grateful for you, John and Jessica, being with us. And folks, for all of you who God has called us to this place at this time, Esther, for such a time as this. Two quick commercials before we land this. Um, Folks, right now, as families, if you're looking to more deeply encounter God's love fully alive in your marriage and family, Lent's right around the corner, but uh, you, you can begin right now. Check out ilovemyfamily.us and join us on this journey. Make a weekly commitment to talk and pray in your family and discover the grace outpoured. And men, God calls us in a particular way, right? Ephesians 5, to lay down our lives for our spouse. That's our mission, to lay down our lives for our spouse and our families in this world. And uh, you know what? We're going to languish until we say yes. We're going to languish until we, you know, embrace that heroic instinct, that heroic call that God put there that caused them in 9-11 to to race into a, a burning building for people they didn't even know. Well, our homes may be spiritually that burning building, and he's equipped us to do it. If that burns within you, brothers, or if you're women and you're listening, direct your husbands, your sons, your dads to Pentecost365.us. Pentecost365.us. We want to receive that grace being outpoured. So blessed to be along the journey with all of you. Thanks so much for being with us. If you want to hear past episodes, quite powerful, go to IgniteRadioLive.com. Until next time, God bless you. We love you guys. Away my